Welcome once again to the Be The Light podcast, Moms on a Mission. Today, I'm sharing with you another Be The Light by Shining Your Light interview. And it's with one of my best friends and the best brother anyone could have, my brother, John Perkins. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Kayla. It's a pleasure to be back on the podcast today. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Well, just to give you a little information about my brother, John is a history teacher and the head um, boys varsity basketball coach at Monroe Central High School, which is located in Woodsfield, Ohio. Um, I feel that what he does in the public school setting allows him to share the light of Jesus, and I wanted to take some time today for him to share about his mission field with you and also speak about how no matter what we are and what we do, that we all have a ministry and a mission field, and we can be the light of Jesus. So we're going to go ahead and get started. So John, today, could you share with us what led you to your calling as a teacher and a coach? I believe that my decision uh, to be a teacher and a coach started long before I was actually even aware of it. Uh, as a child, I grew up with uh, a lot of great mentors in my life. Uh, the first of these mentors was my grandfather, uh, were my grandfathers and, and our dad. Uh, each man in his life uh, lived his life in a way that impressed and inspired other people. Uh, this wasn't due to how much money they made or their skill set and their chosen profession, but their daily actions. Their character qualities of honesty, hard work, and compassion for others made a real difference in the lives of those around them. It is just so it just so happened that their passions became my passions as well. I also had a lot of great coaches and teachers in, impact my life, such as Lefty Hall and Mark Boner, uh, who also had fit a lot of those descriptors I used to describe my dad and grandfathers. Uh, our dad was a huge influence on my decision to coach and teach. As a young man getting ready to graduate high school, he imparted wisdom that I still use with a lot of our guys in our basketball program today. Uh, when they graduate high school, I encourage them, just as my dad did, to, to do something that they're passionate about and they feel like God has called them to do. Uh, my dad always said, don't chase after money because you're always going to live within your means, uh, but do something you get up every day and you're able to be blessed with and, and do something you love. Uh, Dad's advice was also furthered at Malone University, where I chose to go to school at. Um, professors at Malone consistently talked about God's calling on your life instead of the career you, cho you choose. Uh, when tough times arrive in education, I always think back to those discussions with my dad and the professors at Malone. Uh, our grandfather, Flip DeLongo, was also a history teacher and a coach at a local high school around here for, for many years. Uh, being around him for all those years, uh, many grown men would come up to him uh, and approach him and thank him for the impact that he had on their lives uh, many years ago. Uh, these stories didn't always talk about the X's and O's or game plans that he had when he coached, uh, but they were an example of integrity that he modeled to these young men uh, and he encountered and the influence that it had on them. Uh, it was something I never will forget, the impact uh, one man in a coaching position, one honest man in a coaching position could have on young people. Yeah, and I think just what you share there, um, you know, I'm so blessed by all of those things too. You know, many of the people that John talked about, obviously, especially my father and my grandfather, um, but I was also able to just reap the benefits of Coach Hall and Coach Boner um, and just what good people they were, um, not just as coaches. I'm, you know, I never had them as a coach, but for just the experience of having them as a teacher as well. And so when I think back to those people that you listed, um, I just see you creating that legacy too. And I know one day, you know, someone's going to look back and say that you were their coach all or you were their coach DeLongo or, or whatever it might be. So, you know, just as anything, as much as we have things in our life where we think of all these positive things and also being a coach is a very positive thing, 
I know that there are challenges. Um, so anytime also when you're stepping out and you are being the light to others, there are going to be challenges. So for you, what would you say are your biggest challenges as a coach? Well, it might be this question, to be honest. <laughs> um, you know, it was a tough one to, to, to try. It's a tough question to try to address. But um, I think there's a lot of challenges we face as coaches today, um, especially in the current environment we're in with the, the world, and, world environment and the pandemic going on. But um, you know, one thing I heard in a sermon not too long ago was uh, that if you can't do it for everybody, we, we believe this lie that you shouldn't do it for anyone. And I think that's a, a challenge to, to be able to step out and just try to, to address the needs of one person, even if you can't address the needs of all. So uh, even if you can't do it for everybody, if you're able to help one person do it, uh, it may make a huge difference for them. And many of us are hesitant um, when we can't help everybody. And that keeps us from helping anyone. Um, but however, I say the biggest challenge in coaching actually coaching is striking the balance between truth and kindness. Uh, there are numerous times throughout the season and off season where the players that we have in our program need to be coached. You need to improve something they're doing wrong, or, you know, maybe it's an attitude, maybe it's a, an approach they have on the court. Um, but, but trying to wait, find a way to speak those truths in, into them uh, is difficult because a lot of times they perceive it as you're being critical of them. And, and I go back to my experience as a player a lot of times and just, you know, when a coach was critical, you always felt like they were attacking you personally. And so I think uh, as a coach, you try to, to make that um, not be personal. And so the majority of our players and their parents are really invested in basketball. And, and we're extremely uh, thankful for that, that. We have people that are invested in the sport. But um, there are times that you need to make a decision about playing time or how to improve them as an individual player. And, and that can offend a lot of people. And so you step on toes and sometimes people – have a different opinion about you as a coach because of maybe something you've said in truth, but um, you generally try to care about the welfare of each player, uh, their families, and when you see them hurt or angry at you, uh, it's difficult to deal with sometimes, but it comes along with the, the position that you've been appointed to uh, leading a program. And so trying to reassure them you care for them and only just like an aspect of, of what they're doing on the court uh, or what how they're conducting themselves in the classroom is, is tough to get across. And so you know, as a, as a coach and a staff as a whole, we try to build relationships up with players and we always try to deal in truth. Um, what we may say, it may hurt you or it may be difficult to hear, um, but if you deal in truth, uh, then I think your players can trust you. And I think that's a big thing. Um, it's a tougher to navigate, but we really do try. I listened to a, a recent Andy Stanley sermon and it illustrated the concept of this for Christians um, and how Jesus was a great example of how to do it well. We often can uh, deal too much in truth and push people away. We can be critical of their actions. So we can condemn them for their actions. Uh, or we can be too permissive on the other end. Uh, and we can not stand up for our truth and, and what we believe in our faith. But uh, Jesus and Andy saying they said this, Jesus was a full dose of truth and a full dose of grace. Uh, he wasn't 50-50. He was 100%, 100%. And it's probably a good thing I don't teach math because maybe that doesn't make sense. But um, <laughs> He quoted John 1, 14, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so I think it's just important that you really um, try to deal in truth to people and be honest with them, um, but also you know have that grace and, and compassion with people as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of things, <clears throat> just like what was popping in my mind as you were speaking of that, is one, like speak the truth in love. So you're not doing it out of like anger or, you know, just trying to get your way, but because you care about them and you want what's best for them. And also like building that relationship. And I know we've talked a lot about this before, you know, when you're working with young men like that or, you know, students or whatever it is, and you get 
to spend that much time together, you're able to build a relationship. So when you have that relationship, then you're able to maybe more so pour into them and to share things with them, maybe hard truths that you just can't share with just any person because you've not built that relationship with them. So I think that's a huge thing in coaching as well or teaching or anything in life in general is that relationship. And then you're able to do that. And I heard someone say the other day, um, if you if you don't want someone to get mad at you, so like as far as leaders, like if you, as a leader, people are going to get mad at you. And if you don't want to be a leader and you don't want someone to get mad at you, then you need to go sell ice cream. <laughs> and I thought it was funny because, you know, you just, when you put yourself out in that position and you, t- you take the lead and you're sharing with people and you're teaching them things, like someone's going to get mad at you. But like you said, when you do it from love and when you do it from the right position, then, you know, that's all that you can do. That's all yeah, that you can do. Our hope is that ultimately, um, even if players walk away from the program um, and they graduate from the program, they may not have the best uh, viewpoint of us, that later on in life they're able to look back and, and always know we dealt in truth, truth with them and that we were always, um, you know, honest. And I think that's one of the biggest things. I think that, you know, kids are a great judge of character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if you are not uh, being true with them, if you're not being – genuine with them they're able to see through that and so we just try to to be as transparent as uh, genuine as can be with with our players and and like I said hopefully down the road they're able to to look back on their experience and see that at least yeah no I agree 100% and I think that's a great a great uh, standpoint to build a program from for sure so um, I know we talked a little bit about you know why you became a coach But I guess my next question then is, why is it so important to you? You know, obviously it's a a lot of time invested, um, a lot of time spent from things that maybe you, you know, could be doing, you know, in other areas of your life. So obviously it has to, there's something that triggers that to where you're willing to spend that time there instead of someplace else. And then also the second part of that question is then through coaching, what has that taught you about life in general? You really know how to ask some tough questions. Uh, (laughs) I think coaching is important because I know some of the impact that the coaches that I had um, had on my life. And so seeing my grandfather's influence was a major impact, um, but that wasn't personal to me. I didn't have my grandfather as a coach. Um, but uh, people like Coach Hall and Coach Boner, um, the influence they made on my life was huge. Uh, both these guys invested uh, more than just athletics in me. Uh, I remember when I was diagnosed with cancer the first time, Coach Boner came uh, to my house and, and really uh, just made a personal investment. Uh, Coach Hall, uh, you know, I was a terrible baseball player. I'll tell everybody <laughs> that. Um, but he was invested in me as well. And he didn't matter what uh, physically, athletically I could bring to the program, but his respect for me was huge. And so those guys, the impact they had really kind of influenced me and pushed me in the direction of, of how I saw coaches interact with players. And so um, you know, I think as a coach, you have an opportunity to make that huge impact on a, a one of your players' lives. Um, the, the vast majority of this goes beyond what you teach them about the sport. Um, you can emphasize values of hard work and perseverance and dedication. Um, they're really life tools that, that hopefully these young men take with them uh, into their lives as adults and into their lives as fathers. Um, you know, the other thing I think that's important is that you know, we try to teach them, and it's something I think that is, is difficult in our society today just because we're so individual-focused, mm-hmm. um, that, that it is about something bigger than you. Yeah. And I think that's a great parallel that one day maybe um, if they come to Christ, they can they can understand it's bigger than themselves. Yeah. This is Their calling is to bring the world to Christ. Uh, but in general, we preach uh, at practice that this is bigger than you. This is bigger than myself as the head coach. This... Um, 
this program is going to go on long after I'm gone yeah. and, and long after maybe they fire me or I resign or, or, you know, what have you, whatever the will and the plan is in that, that scenario, there's still going to be a basketball program. And so we try to get them to invest in a team aspect um, that they're not working for themselves or the glory of themselves. Uh, they're working for the, the betterment of the team. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's important. Um, like we said, we hope that these guys are able to, eventually walk out of our program and be more prepared to face challenges that life's going to throw their way. Um, you know, there's going to be illnesses, there's going to be job loss, there's going to be trials that, that I can't predict they're going to have, but um, sharing with them some of the trials that I've faced um, and some of the trials that our coaches have faced and just the trials of athletics in general. Um, and, and I think in this world environment today, uh, with the uncertainty here in two weeks, if we're even going to be able to start basketball practice, um, it's just live every day to your fullest. Uh, really uh, take into to account that you are blessed and uh, to have the opportunity to go play basketball or, or go to work or whatever your situation may be. Um, so we just really try to instill that in our kids. Um, and, and I think that's why coaching is so important to me because, I, like I said, I look back at the, the influence these guys had on, on my life, the former coaches that I had. And so just trying to embark that upon our players as well. Um, and I think ultimately coaching has taught me that life is really about seeing other people succeed. Uh, you invest in somebody else, you celebrate their successes, uh, you help them up when they fall. Um, but I think sports are a great parallel to life, and I believe coaching fits right in with our walk as Christians and just genuinely being excited for those who uh, work hard to overcome obstacles and, and do whatever we can to help them arrive there at that point. Yeah, no, there's so many good truths in there. Um, just like thinking about all of that and how it just impacts people. And obviously those coaches at that point in their lives, you know, had no idea that however many years later that you would still be talking about them and what they did um, influence what you do today. So, you know, just even thinking about you speaking here, you never know what your influence is going to be, you know. And so I think, too, to help the, the, the boys that you coach, um, the people that you come in contact realize that you just never know like where God is going to use your calling to influence someone else for the kingdom or for the betterment of, of people. And, um, you know, I, I've been listening to some things lately and they're talking about like how you said, like we're all there just to help each other and to make each other better. And I think sometimes we get caught in such a comparison trap. And so I know like for you to say like, just, just focus on what you're doing, but yet it's not all about you. You know, it is about more. And they were saying, you know, don't look to the left or to the right unless you're cheering somebody on. And I just thought that was so great. And I think that's what you are, you know, have in your program is that, you know, you are there and you are working together and you are helping each other out. You're helping each other become better at whatever, and not just basketball, but life, we you know, in general. We were talking <clears throat> to the player the other day, um, just in general about, you know, where he's at as an individual. And he actually wanted to walk away from the program. And, and we were trying to convince him, obviously, to stay. We felt like, you know, this young man had invested so much time in, into what uh, we'd asked him to do um, and just tried to speak truth into his life that we felt like he was comparing uh, himself to the other players. Um, you know, he, he's not the guy that's going to score the most points. He's not the guy that's going to get his name in the paper. But uh, he, he has an ability to be the best version of himself that he can be. And and, and we feel like as a player what he's called to be on our team. And so I think there's a lot of uh, parallels with that. I mean, you can you can be looking at, at other people and aspiring to have the house or the car or the job or whatever definition of happiness you think they have, but you're only called to be uh, the best version of yourself and, and, and the best version of yourself in your walk with Christ. And so, you know, that comparison that you spoke of, I mean, I think it's just a powerful thing that, 
that we have to kind of stay in our lane mm-hmm. and, and keep our eyes fixed on the finish line, and that's becoming more like Christ. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. And I know that um, it's just one of those things, too, where when you're, like, saying all these different things, it just brings to mind, like, a um, couple things. And a lot of the things I reference anymore are from Revelation Wellness just because that's where I'm studying, that's where I'm at right now. But one is you do you. And two, like as a coach, like they talk about in RevWell, like delivering the pizza, like we can't make people eat the pizza. We can't change their pizza. All we can do is deliver the pizza. So like you as a coach, like you can't ultimately be held accountable for what they do or don't do. You just deliver what you know is right and true. So, but so along with that then, um, you know, obviously you're coaching in a public school setting. And so it's a little bit different, you know, as far as like, the way we do things or how we do things, but how then can you be the light of Jesus as a coach? I think it's difficult just with the world we live in today and, and, and just trying to, to be uh, who you are and, and stand up for your faith um, and, not, and not get criticism or maybe even lose your job for it. But I think you got to be uh, an example to the young men uh, or young women or wherever you're at that you lead. Um, and for a, lot of, for a lot of my career so far, I felt like that was you had to be perfect. Um, and I could never make the wrong decision as a coach. I could never be angry with my players. Um, I could, couldn't let my emotions affect how I approached the players. Um, but while you have to remain professional, I think it's critical for your players to see you as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're able to see that human element that you can, you can fall and you can make mistakes. Um, for them to know that we can make mistakes and, and fall short of the standards that God has set for us and the personal standards we set on ourselves for athletics and maybe in our, our profession – um, these young men, we allow them to see that. I think that's one of the things I've tried to do is open up a little bit and, and still keep it a professional relationship, but open up a little bit so they can see some of the struggles that we have. Um, you know, if I'm maybe unjustly angry at one of them or if I act out in a way that I shouldn't, um, you know, often try to come to the team the next morning or the next day of practice and say, hey, I, I was out of line, guys. And so they know as a young man that that you're able to, to still apologize. You're able to recognize mm-hmm. that you've fallen short and then you're able to confront that issue. And so um, like to see them, to allow them to see you like that and, and um, to see you struggle, I think is, is immeasurable uh, how worthy it is or how much it's worth to them. So many times I grew up as seeing other people as having made it or they reached a certain level of success and I would never be able to get there because of the, the things I dealt with in my life, the difficulties, the setbacks, the struggles I had. Um, but you can still push on and attempt to become the best version of yourself. Um, we as Christians know this is a daily recommitment to Jesus and attempting to, to live his will uh, out in our lives. And so I think it's just important that you are uh, able to, to be transparent. Um, again, going back to dealing in truth and, and, and trying to, to be somebody they can trust. Uh, in a public setting, it's a challenge always to, to be the light with your words, but uh, actions carry a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Hopefully our players know by the way I speak to them and, and try to treat them and con- conduct myself. And I think that's most of the time because anybody's ever seen a basketball game, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty heated environment sometimes when the game <laughs> is close and you're kind of arguing with an official about how a call went. Or, um, you know, so I think uh, my, one of my main goals is just so they know uh, in my actions and how I treat them um, that, that my belief is in Christ. And so um, we always pray. Uh, we we kind of have a private prayer before the game, and um, we always sit down and, and and grab your other hand, take a knee, and and one of the things that, that we we pray for is that that we are, are doing our best to, to glorify our school, mm-hmm. um, and our community, and our families that we represent, but most importantly, Christ. And so, um, even if they don't take that to heart, hopefully throughout the years, uh, they're able to look back and, and know that we recited that, or 
uh, spoke to that every single night before he played and um, hopefully that kind of translates into their life every day. Yeah, exactly. And when you were saying that, it made me think well, my grandmother <clears throat> who had passed away, she was a very quiet woman. She didn't say a whole lot. Um, and we always kind of said with her, it was preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. And obviously, yes, you want to use your words, but sometimes like you said, like just your actions and the way you carry yourself is, is, is one thing um, that can also make a huge, a huge, huge impression. So um, the last thing here is just how can our listeners use what you teach your team and what you've learned so far in your coaching career and apply it to their lives. And I'm already like, I'm listening to this thinking like, okay, I hope people are listening to this thinking like, okay, I might not be a basketball coach or I might not have this, but this is how it like relates to my marriage or this is how it relates to raising kids. Because I think just so much of what you're saying, you just take out basketball or coach and put in your um, whatever your situation you're in and then you use that because I've heard so many things. So I just kind of want you to maybe like reiterate that. Yeah, no, I think... um you know, some of the principles we talked about already kind of would apply, and I hope people have uh, been able to, to use them in their personal lives. But um, I'm a big guy on, on slogans, and I'm not a guy that puts them on the, the locker room wall, but uh, it's something that we use a lot with our players, and, and I stole a couple of them. I think a lot of people say any good coach stole everything they ever had, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's the truth. But um, I'll suggest a couple of phrases we use at practice, and, and hopefully our players have heard them enough that they could come on here and recite them to you without me uh, you know, maybe given the whole sentence, but, um, and then one I recently heard that I really like. And so the first one is that we always tell our guys never to get too high or get too low. Um, it's really hard. You know, our first couple of years, we weren't very good. Uh, we struggled greatly. And, um, there are a lot of people who came out of the woodwork and, um, were, were criticizing what we were doing. We weren't doing the right things. We weren't, uh, you know, approaching the game the right way. We didn't have a good game plan. Um, but they question you as a player. They can question you as a coach, um, or a program during the tough times in your life. And so you have these people that sit out and they sit in the stands and um, they're able to, to judge from a moment in the game. Um, but, uh, you know, Teddy Roosevelt had a great thing, the man in the arena. And it's the credit goes to the person who's sweating, who's, who's fighting, who's you know, currently in that fight to try to, um, you know, he, they dared. And they were the ones that put themselves out there. And so we tell our guys not to get too low on themselves because they need to stay focused, uh, keep our goals and, and our vision as a team in the forefront of their mind, um, that the only people who truly know uh, what's going on are, are the people inside that gym. And so, um, you know, that was a, a truth that we talked about when we weren't so, uh, weren't doing so well. Um, but when we experience successes, people will be quick to tell you how good you are on the flip side of that. Um, they can often, often, excuse me, oftentimes build up a false sense of accomplishment or achievement in you. Uh, maybe you think you're better than what you are. Um, so we always encourage our guys to try to be modest and continue to work hard towards the goals they have set as a team. And so in each scenario, uh, you're called to be the best version of yourself, um, the best version of the team that you can be. Um, and so, you know, that's outside circumstances, kind of got to block them out and, and approach your, your life that you're living for. And we talk about in basketball, we're, we're, we're an audience for ourselves. You know, we know our standard. Um, we could go beat a, a really a bad team and, and be really happy about it. Um, but I always encourage our guys, no, it doesn't matter the result of the game. We play to our standard. Um, and so as Christians, we know that standard is Christ. And, and so it doesn't matter what people around you are doing. It doesn't matter uh, if you think you're better than some people or you're worse than some people. Um, but kind of what we referenced before, you stay in your lane, uh, you keep your eyes on the finish line, and again, that's Christ. And so, um, you know, we just believe this is the same with your walk with God. You know, if you're falling, don't beat yourself up too much. 
Uh, know that what you believe in and lean on God's forgiveness. Uh, you also have to invest yourself and get back to what you believe. Um, you know, reduce it to something very simple. Sometimes we can make things too complicated and just get back to what you really believe in. Um, I know in the beginning uh, portion of my career as a head coach, I really questioned what I did and I was listening to other people's advice and, and I really went back to just what I what did I believe as a coach? You know, what did we want for our program? And we went back to the basics. And so I think sometimes you got to do as a Christian. Um, and when you, you got to look uh, on what you believe, you get back to the basics. You put yourself in the Word. Uh, you listen to, to Christ and, and you pray and you, you get invested again. Um, but when things are going extremely well in our lives, uh, we also have to stay grounded and realize that God's blessed us with whatever we have. Um, and we got to stay humble and, and lean on His provision in our lives. The second thing, and, and the last thing I'll close with is, I just heard this phrase recently, but is today is the worst you'll ever be. Um, now we know that we'll have difficult days and we'll still fall and stumble in our walks, but this is a more of a mentality than anything. Um, as a player, uh, if you practice harder and the right mindset, you're going to improve every single day. If you believe that you're going to be better today than you were yesterday, if you're going to be better tomorrow than you were today, uh, then truly today is the worst you'll ever be if you keep that approach in your life. And so as Christians, if we diligently seek God every single day and we spend time in His Word and walking with Him, then today will truly be the worst we'll ever be because we're being called to become more like Christ. Um, not that we won't fail, um, but if the phrase is what our desire of our heart is, we reflect Christ more each day of the world around us. And and so just kind of leave it to those that, um, you know, don't get too high and don't get too low in your walk. And then today is the worst you're ever going to be because uh, Christ is transforming you to His likeness. So, um, you know, I really appreciate you, you having me on today, and I hope that somebody's able to get um, something that blesses them through this and, and, and maybe a phrase or even an approach they can use in life that we try to use with our basketball team. But, um, you know, just, just really blessed uh, to, to be in the position that I am as a head coach. And um, like I, I tell the guys all the time, it, it's not about my name being in the paper. Um, it's about them and, and what they want for the program. It's their team. And so I think that, um, you know, just, just trying to be selfless. Not that I'm not human and you don't like seeing your name um, as the head coach, but at the same time knowing that uh, I've only been appointed in charge of these young men um, and just really trying to point them in, in a direction that is, is going to benefit them in sports and mostly benefit them in their lives. And so uh, just a, a true blessing to be able to share that with you guys today. Yeah, thank you. And I just I think of a few things as we're closing here. You know, the first thing is, you know, when um, John was little, I just have to share like a little funny story, but when John was little, he used to have like little notebooks and he used to like draw plays like all the time. So when he was, I think it was like moving out maybe after college or something, we were in his room and we like found these books and um, we just chuckled about them because here all those years, like six, seven, eight years old, he was like making plays and doing these playbooks. And, you know, at that point in time, we, you know, was that his thought what will I be a coach yeah we didn't know for sure but it was just cool to see how God brought that forth and um, in his life and then a second thought I was thinking about is when John became a coach and I started going to games like it hit me so much differently than what it had been when he was a player and I was his sister like cheering him on like I started looking at coaches differently and even like referees differently you know so many times we want to be quick to judge. We want to, you know, think that we have the answers for like what the coach should be doing or they should have run this play or they should have done this or our son should be getting played or our daughter should, 
you know, do all these different things. And like, it totally made me think like, and then a lot of times, you know, and myself in general, like when things wouldn't go right for, for John and like a certain aspect, I would want to bad mouth the coach. And I just really want to suggest to you all to also take into consideration what he shared with you today. And then think too, I always think this thought, like it's my brother down there. You know, like I don't want someone talking badly about my brother, like when he's trying to do the best that he can possibly do. And so in that situation, think, okay, what was, what if that was my dad down there? What if that was my brother down there? What if that was my son down there? Or when you get upset with somebody else's um, like child, because maybe they didn't pass the ball the right way or they didn't shoot the right way, think, well, what, well how would I feel? Would I want someone yelling um, at my child? And I know the other day, um, I know Shannon's been a little... Um, busy with with her children and some things going on but she shared with me that Michael had a game the other day and he had played outfield when he normally plays first base the ball came to him and she said you could see in his mind like he was trying to figure out where to throw the ball because he's so used to like playing first base and he threw it there but it wasn't he didn't get there in time and she said parents were like yelling at him throw the ball throw the ball and she said you could just see his spirit just deflate out of him and, you know, that just hit me like a ton of bricks because I thought he's in fourth grade. Like what people don't realize sometimes with their words to coaches or to players, what that can do. So you've worked all week to build them up and some word that said at a game could totally just, you know, deflate them. So I guess I'm just asking you guys, like if you know a coach, if you know, I'm sure all of us have been involved in something like this, some type of athletic something just stop and think and also think like, what are we representing? What do we want to represent when we're at a game? Do we want to be on that side of encouragement or do we want to be on the side of defeating or deflating somebody, um, you know, from them trying uh, to do their best? So I don't know, that was just on my heart and I just felt really led to share that today. But I also know your things are a little crazy right now, obviously with the situation that we're in with COVID and, you know, winter sports are kind of still up in the air. So I know John's still trying to figure out, is there going to be a season? However, um, they have been a little proactive um, in their approach of trying to get people to still be able to see their games, even if we're not necessarily allowed in the gymnasium at that time. So um, I'm actually kind of sprang this upon John. He didn't know I was going to put this in there, but they have a YouTube channel. So I want him just to share with you a little bit about that, and then I can link it um, to our show notes. So Yeah, I appreciate that, Kayla. Uh, it's Monroe Central Boys Basketball uh, out of Woodsville, Ohio. All you got to do is go to YouTube and uh, get down the subscriptions uh, in your app and then uh, search that uh, and then just click subscribe. And so we need to get to a thousand followers. Uh, my assistant coach and I were just talking about the other day. I think we're at like 161. So uh, being in a small community, we're kind of worried about maybe uh, not being able to do that. But it's a, it's a free opportunity for our parents, uh, grandparents, uh, family members uh, to be able to access those games. Uh, our gyms are rather small and so at 15% capacity, which has been set by the state of Ohio, um, that only affords the opportunity for, for 80 people uh, to come in the gym. And so we have uh, 24 young men signed up for basketball right now. And um, 40 of those tickets will go to the visiting team. 40 of those tickets will go to our team. And so that's going to limit a lot of the, um, the family experience. And so we want uh, our family members and, and friends and, uh, to be able to participate and, and see their, their child, grandchild, or relative be able to play. And so I really appreciate you. Um, you know, uh, giving us a plug uh, in our, our YouTube channel, but you may have to tell everybody that you know, and then maybe you make uh, five different emails. Uh, yeah, seriously. Like, if we have anywhere between like 30 to 80 listeners. So, if like each <laughs> listener subscribed and then you pass that on and kept passing it on, we can get John to a thousand. And I know it breaks my heart because I'm the girl that like went to college close by so that I could see my brother play high school sports and then drove to Malone every weekend mm -hmm. and like 
literally used to be his score um, keeper. And I would like literally leave school at four o'clock and drive whoever knows where to like keep score. So for me, like that was like our excitement to come and be able to to take my kids. They love to see their Uncle John coach. So that's going to be a little hard for us this year. So if we could get that going so we could see some Knowles play basketball, I'd be really happy with that too. But we thank you guys so much for listening to us today. And we just pray that this has blessed you somehow. And um, we just want you to be able to take all these things that we have uh, shared with you and that John has so graciously provided um, for the listeners today. And we pray that that helps you go out and be the light today.